Okay, we're continuing our series in the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And in a nutshell, that's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. Isn't it wonderful this morning we focused on the name of Jesus this morning? Because it truly is all about him. If we lose sight of him, we lose everything. Theologically, we might have certain positions. We might have certain focuses. But if we lose sight of Jesus, we lose everything. It's all about Jesus. Just a reminder that the uh, book kind of is broadly about three main themes. It's a declaration of Christ's identity. If you have any doubts as to the identity of Jesus, read the book of Colossians. We still live in a society today that where people are all mixed up about which religion to follow. What was Jesus really like? Did he really exist? Was he really God? Everything is tied up in Jesus. So if you want to know the identity of Jesus, read the book of Colossians. It's a proclamation of objective truth. We live in a society where truth doesn't seem to matter. Well, absolute truth doesn't matter. Relative, relative truth does. You know, whatever is true for you, that's fine. You have your truth, I have my truth. But there is such a thing as absolute truth. And we see it in the book of Colossians. If you want to know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, then read the book of Colossians. Four chapters that will change and transform your life. And thirdly, it's a call to holy living. What does the life of the believer look like? Are we committed to living a holy life, a life that's distinct from the society in which we live? What does that look like? What does our relationship look like with our bosses at work and our families at home and, and those in the church? The answers lie in the book of Colossians. And we'll be seeing uh, more of those sort of themes cropping up time and time again as we look through this book. Now this morning, I want you to think big. Okay? Can you do that? Think big. The Bible passage that we're considering this morning answers some of the big, big questions. Scientists spend billions of pounds trying to discover the answers to the fundamental questions about the origins of the universe, the source and purpose of humanity, and even the existence of God. I could save them a whole load of money and time and say, just read the book of Colossians. The answers are there. And they all, as always, lie in the person of Jesus. Now, late in my teens, I was an avid fan of this character, Bruce Lee. I had posters of him all over my bedroom wall, and I've watched his films time and time again. A friend, of, a friend and I used to act out scenes from his most famous film, Enter the Dragon. I know what you're thinking. The resemblance is uncanny, isn't it? Bruce Lee was my hero. He died in 1973. 
Many thousands attended his funeral. The History Channel made a documentary entitled How Bruce Lee Changed the World. Another a childhood hero of mine was Michael Jackson. I know I don't have any pictures of uh, me pretending to be him. He was hugely popular. He, it was claimed that his funeral was watched by over 2.5 billion people across the globe. A third of the population watched his funeral. It said at uh, his memorial service, someone said that through his music, Michael Jackson wanted to change the world. Both of these men were no doubt hugely talented in their fields, but it took the medium of TV, satellite, and cyberspace space to thrust them into the public eye and into worldwide fame. What about Jesus? Well, he grew in obscurity in an age without TV, without satellites, without the internet, without the radio. This is what someone wrote about him. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that are usually accompanied by greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He, he was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property that he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark to say that not all, all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary one. Jesus changed the course of human history. But there was more to him than simply a person who existed 2,000 years ago. Colossians 5, 15 to 17 tells us something quite spectacular about him. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is above all things, and in him all things hold together. Have you ever wondered what God is like? How can we know what God is like? We cannot see him. Where do we start? How do we know when we found him? Well, the Bible tells us. He 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Jesus, the invisible becomes the visible. If you want to know what God is like, take a look at Jesus. When we think of the word image, uh, we might think of something like the real thing, but not the real thing. Perhaps an even a poor reproduction of the original. There's a likeness, but not too exact. Well, the Greek word translated image is the word icon. And it means an exact representation. Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is the perfect likeness of him. There is nothing of God that we need to know that we cannot see in him. Hebrews tells us this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful and Sometimes we, we use the phrase, don't we? Um, like father, like son. I've had that many times. But the Bible wants to see something different. The Bible wants to see like son, like father. In Jesus, we don't meet someone who can introduce us to God. We get to meet God with a human face. People often say to me, you can't prove the existence of God. Maybe in my simplistic way I say, well, take a look at Jesus. you'll see what it's like. Colossians tells us that Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. Some claim that Jesus was a created being. I think uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, Mormons do that. That he was created. They say that the first, God's first creative act was to make Jesus. But that's not what the Bible says. Paul uses the word firstborn here and it's to do with rank and status. It's about Jesus having priority over creation. It points to one who existed before all it, it all began and brought creation itself into existence. It says that he is before all things. Jesus always existed. He had no origin in time. He didn't just come into existence when he was born in Bethlehem. Now that messes around with our minds, does it not? We always think about things having a time and an end or a beginning of some sort. John's Gospel puts it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been. Now we read these words so casually, but there are extraordinary claims made about Jesus. They are claims which outstrip those made of any other person. There are claim, they are claims that should make us stand in awe. We sang earlier, didn't we? You have seen the end from the beginning. You have been before the world began. You have reached to me within my darkness, and in the light of mercy now I see, I stand I stand in awe of you, so glorious and free. I stand.
let me ask you a question. How big is your image of Jesus? Do you stand in awe of him? We sang it this morning. Have you ever wondered how it all began? How this vast universe came into being? Was it by chance? I think someone, some scientists come put their claim that the universe uh, came into being because it wanted to. Okay. It just wanted to, so it just chose to become, come into being. That's how you answer the question without God. Is there real design and creativity? Of course there is. Here's the answer. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. I want you to see how staggering these claims are about Jesus. They're huge. No one can say that Jesus was just some man that existed 2,000 years ago. You have to stand up and listen and say, well, there's more to him, much, much more to him than just someone. Just think about it. The smallest subatomic particle, the DNA helix, the great mountain ranges of the Himalayas, the vast universe in which we live, came into existence at his command. Right back then, in the church of Colossae, Paul was settling some of the biggest of life's questions. You want to know the truth about how it all began? Take a look at Jesus. It began with him. Everything was created by him and for him. How big is your image of Jesus? So we know the, the who and the why. But why? Why was this universe created by the creator? What was the purpose of it all? Well, Colossians tells us. All things were created by him Everything was not only created by him, but for him. This universe, you and I, created for him. For him. One commentator wrote this. Wherever you look in space and time, and things visible, or if you see them invisible, Jesus Christ has the authority over them. The Lord. In this amazing universe of stars and planets, black holes, pulsars, quarks, deep space, parallel universes, whatever we could mention, imagine or discover, Jesus is before all those things, and in him and for him, all these things This is staggering stuff. It can blow our minds. That's why I said at the beginning, we need to think big. This morning, so how big is your image of Jesus? You know, there's real purpose to life, is there not? There's purpose in my life and there's purpose 
in your life. As human beings, we, we, we were created to have significance because all things were created by him and for him. You can never say, I'm a nobody. You're a somebody in him. Because you were created by him and for him. Whenever somebody says to you, you're a nobody, your life has no meaning and no purpose. I want you to stand and say, I do have purpose because I was created for Jesus. By him and for him. And that gives me dignity and that gives me purpose. And it gives me a purpose to get up every day. No matter what the day holds. No matter where our life's at. No matter what tragedy faces. No matter what difficulty faces. No matter how insecure we might feel. Let nobody tell you that you, have in, you are insignificant. I remember years ago, I was applying to go to uh, what was then a polytechnic, to do a higher, well, I had a choice whether I do a higher national diploma or a degree in computer studies. And I wasn't sure, shall I go for the higher national diploma, which is two years, or a degree, which is three years. And I went to see my personal tutor. And my personal tutor, uh, she was, his name was Pat Kent. I was talking about two decades ago now. I said, Pat, I, I don't know what I should do. Should I do a degree or a HND? And she said to me these words. She said, Matt, you better not do a degree. Do HND. But why is that? Because you're not good enough for a degree. And those words, not good enough, were plastered across my head. For many years, many years, I suffered under not good enough. And it was at Morland Bible College where things changed. And I suddenly realized, I don't need to be good enough. God loves me. And you need my answer. I am good enough. God is good enough. We created for him and by him, you have purpose. Don't ever forget that. And it's only in a relationship with him that we discover our significance. So, so what is it that holds things together? Why do the stars in the sky stay in the sky? Why does this earth rotate at a thousand miles per hour and we don't fly off? Who keeps this planet fixed at an angle of 23.4 degrees? Why do we have the right amount of oxygen in the air to breathe and the right amount of gravity so we don't get flung into space? Now scientists will give you all sorts of answers. I'm just going to give you that. In him, all things hold Jesus is the sustainer of the whole of creation. He's the one who prevents the cosmos from collapsing into chaos. He's the glue that holds everything together. Everything we can see, however far our telescopes can penetrate. And everything we cannot see, however profound and mysterious, was created by Jesus and for Jesus. And he is in control. 
your life and from mine. Don't ever forget that. So, how big is your image of Jesus? Well, he's the exact representation of God. When you know Jesus, you know the Father. Everything was created by him, through him, and for him. And he holds everything together. Now, I am new here, as you know. I've only been here since the beginning of May. But I want you to ask a question. Ask you a question. It's not about how long you've been here. I want you to answer the question in your heart. I don't want you to shout out loud. I want you to, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Is he your Savior? I think he's not. He can be this morning. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter how far you might feel from him, no matter what things you think might disqualify you from his forgiveness and love. I want you to know that he can be at the center of your life right now, right at the moment. You can choose Jesus and obey him. Maybe we already have acknowledged Jesus into our lives. But this morning we want to recommit ourselves afresh. Maybe you became a Christian many years ago. And it's not the joy of your salvation. Remember the time when you first became a Christian? So what? Don't put it down. Don't tell your friends. Isn't Jesus? Maybe we've lost the wonder of Him. Don't pray. Become Holy Spirit. He restores to you that which. You bring that joy of knowing him again. Lord Jesus, I don't know you. I've chosen to step away from you. You reveal to us who you are in gift of If you don't know Jesus, you feel you need some help. Wherever you are, just come and see me. I'd love to spend some time with you. Power. The love of the name of
beautiful name. 